The Cosmic Adverse Podcast, written and read by Nick Perry. Book 1, Fireside Flush. Chapter 9, A Conscientious Objector. Here's another one for you kiddos, the soldier growled as he slung a boy from the blinding line outside into the back of the sunless carriage. Sir Seraphin sat in the back of the paddy wagon in a stupor. He couldn't tell if the light outside came from fires caused by the crimson soldiers or from the sun. He supposed that it didn't really matter. The young seraphim had already resigned himself to whatever destiny lay before him when, or if, the caravan ever reached its destination. Sir had sat in the same spot, middle of the right bench, since he had been welcomed into the fold by the others. There had only been three others when the crimson marauders kidnapped Sir. Since then, they had recruited several others. The addition of the newcomer made eight young men in the back of the carriage. The poor boy that joined them was a native apparition. His leather clothes barely covered his genitals. His body was tanned, and his hair was as black and oily as Sir's. "'What's your name?' asked one of the shadows in the carriage. It came from a dirty blonde named Naomas. Sir remembered his story well. Naomas and his father were traveling through Afrit as a treat, a vacation. They hailed from Cornelia, but Naomas' father was killed when the two of them met the Crimson Soldiers while backpacking near Sir's village. Naomas had seen twenty seasons. Ing, the boy laying, said the boy laying on the ground. Well, Ing, Naoma said, you'd better get off the floor. There's enough piss and shit in here to last us all a lifetime. Ing quickly heeded the Cornelian's advice and took an open seat next to Sir. The young seraphim sat with his head against the carriage's wall, arms crossed in front of him, and eyes closed. Sir's black eye had subsided to a faint shade of purple, but the boy's heart had gotten colder as the distance between the carriage and his home grew. The carriage lurched forward as the horses kicked into gear. A familiar yellow liquid slushed around the carriage, carrying with it the excrement of seven growing boys. The smell invaded Sir's senses. No matter what the others said, he could never get used to it. These hellacious days, cooped up in the cabin with the other boys, would follow the young seraphim throughout his days in Nevera and beyond. Might as well go around the carriage for the new guy, said Spondy, another displaced Navarin captured by the Crimson Soldiers. Spondy Barad hailed from the capital city where his family operated a somewhat successful restaurant named the Spoonie Barad. It was a quaint, hole-in-the-wall kind of place, full of wood furnishings and a tap list the length of Sir's arm. Spondy started. I'm Spondy from Lethia. Naomas, Cornelia. Zelka, Afarit, said a boy sporting the same leather clothes as Ing. Scarp, Afarit, said yet another from this area. Obui Kota Trubber, said a large, dark-skinned man at least fifteen seasons older than Sir. Ubru Chomia of the Presi tribe, said the young man next to Sir, obviously proud of his heritage. Afarit. The introductions had come full circle until at last it was Sir's turn. Sir, the young seraphim said. Afarit. There was no use engaging in deception. It wasn't the Tuatoman way. At least, it wasn't this Tuatoman's way. Plus, Sir's head was still swimming from the nasty hit from the Crimson Soldier's hilt. The boy's eyes were quite a bit hazy, even in the pitch black of the carriage. Ing gave a sideways glance to Sir. You? Apparition? You don't look like any apparition that I've met. Your hair is lighter, your eyes and skin, too. We know, Scarp said. We've already asked. Tuatoma, right, sir? Yep, sir replied. A village from within.
Huh, Inga remarked, leaning into the bench as best as the carriage's amenities would allow. Weird. Sir Seraphin's ride in the back of the carriage seemed like it would never end. The boy preferred to feign ignorance as to the soldier's plans, but the cynic inside him knew better. The agents of Tandros were most likely rounding up healthy boys and men to augment his army. That part didn't take a genius to figure out. What none of them knew, Sir included, was what the Scorian throne planned to do with its embiggened army. The others in the carriage had discussed in terse terms what they would do if they met face to face with the haphazard keeper. Kill the fucker, one of them said, probably the boy from Malin. Talk to him. Understand, said another. Sir reckoned that this sentiment came from one of the locals. On and on it went with the more verbose members of this party. What would Sir do if he met Tandros? The Tomasi was awash with emotions ranging from blinding anger one moment to obtuse apathy the next. The young Seraphin, like many boys his age, hadn't quite figured out his place in the world. He was the Tomasi in his small pond of Tutoma, where people generally liked and cared about him. In the greater world of Nevera, however, everyone just seemed to be a corticobia of desire and trudging. It made Sir think about destiny in that shit-infested carriage, surrounded by boys from all of the keeperdoms. What destiny lay before him? Or rather, what destiny had been laid before the others in Tuatoma, and were they still alive? Sir hoped that his friends Balu, Lavu, Roland, Vera, and yes, even Viti had made it out okay. But my uncle sure didn't, Sir thought as he let out a sigh as he realized, I am alone. The others in the carriage were in the middle of their futile attempts at sleep. Loneliness makes men do strange things, act in strange ways. It made them build armies, rape women, destroy worlds. Was a creator lonely? Sir poked at this thought in his mind, and it puffed like bonfire, nearly extinguished. Sir listened as raindrops tap-danced their way across the thin sheet of metal covering the carriage. It was his only solace during this trek. Crash! The carriage hit a pothole in the muddy road, sending the boys towards that metallic roof. Sir bumped his head right where the crimson guard had thumped him. Fuck! Sir winced as he reached for the back of his head. Just as one part of his body, his eye, had begun to heal, another area crept up. A new reality, Sir thought, and a wonderful way to raise an army. Sir peeked from his closed eyes to find the others had settled back into position trying to return to an uneasy sleep. Days passed by as Sir continued his post in the middle of the carriage. The Crimson Soldiers continued adding boys to their ranks as Tandros's agents pursued their conquest of the nomadic tribes of Aphorite. On a few occasions, Sir had woken up to the sounds of screams and bright flashes of fire that seeped through the cracks in the wooden walls. It was always the same, always a repeat of his experience in Tutoma. The caravan of carriages traveled from tribe to tribe, and each suffered the same fate as his own home. Each night, Sir continued his journey into impossible sleep. Was it shock? Maybe. Sir considered it possible. The thought of not knowing one's fate weighed far more on a man stuck in a cage than on a man surrounded by wilderness. Sir woke up to the feeling of being airborne. Blurs of crimson on either side of him confirmed that Yes, he was being thrown out of the carriage by those savage soldiers. The young Seraphim slowly sat up, a haze surrounding his sight. 
Sir grabbed his head as the world around him slowed its pirouette. He found himself dumped in the middle of a muddy road. Taupe-colored tents ran the length of the road and continued outward from there, filling Sir's peripheral vision with a sea of cream. Sir had finally escaped the tortuous conditions of the carriage and instead was thrust into late dusk. Bright orange torches stood haphazardly along the road. Several people, boys and men of various ages, walked across the street while many more snaked their way through the tents. Sir continued holding up his head when one of the passers-by, a stern soldier who had been driving Sir's communal prison cell, threw a pile of rusted armor onto his lap, startling the boy. The young Saravan leapt back and the sword of Atoma, still strapped to his back, contacted the bottom of the carriage. The surrounding soldiers laughed, and the driver commanded the carriage's horses onward. Sir held up the breastplate that had fallen onto his lap. Blood stained the iron armor a sickening, familiar crimson color. A hole big enough for the boy to peek through marked the front of the breastplate and was surrounded by an auburn rust. Sir couldn't tell if the rust had eaten away to make the hole or if an enemy's arrow had sought it out. You should probably get off the road, a voice spoke through Sir's haze, unless you'd prefer to end your life under a horse's hoof. Sir looked around and found a man to his left sitting on a crate outside a nearby tent. The source of the voice had rolled tobacco in his mouth. The smoke from the cancerous comfort filtered into the humid air. The man wore the same crimson armor that seemed to have consumed Sir's being. The boy stood up, knees wobbling, and began picking up the pieces of armor. He walked over to where the man sat, let his knees buckle, and fell on his butt once more. The armor lay in front of Sir, and he looked from them to the man now at his right. "'Who are you?' Sir asked sheepishly battling the feeling of faintness that washed over him with each breath. The name's Levine, the man replied with a slight smirk. The man named Levine looked at Sir, and Sir focused long enough to see the man's face. Levine was older than Sir by about ten seasons. The young seraphim estimated that they shared the same height, but the man's almond-colored hair was cut much shorter than Sir's greasy black mess. Levine didn't look like he was from Afarit. He reminded Sir of Viti more than Lavu. Hazel eyes emanated from the man's stern emotion. The boy could tell that this wasn't the man's first rodeo. Where am I? Sir continued his line of dizzy questioning. Kid, you're in the middle of the Crimson King's encampment, Levine replied. It seems he's employed his army of thugs and mercs to run around and snatch up any warm bodies they could use. There's a massacre waiting for you on the other side of that mountain. He pointed straight ahead, and Sir could see the outline of two mountains, one much closer to the camp. I recommend you take what armor has been dropped at your feet and make sure it fits. You've got quite a day ahead of you. What do you mean? Sir asked. Oh, you'll see. Want to smoke? Levine reached into his armor and pulled out another stick of tobacco rolled in white paper. No, I'm good, Sir replied, waving away the offering. Levine sighed. Don't take to tobacco, huh? Sir shook his head. Not particularly, he said. The man smiled. Neither do I, kid. I just keep it in my mouth and let it burn down, he said. I'm in the business of information, and smokers are always willing to spill their beans in exchange for a light. It attracts loose lips like a horse's ass attracts flies. It looks like you've been assigned to this tent. I think there's a bed towards the back. Don't go rustling too many of the others. 
They're afraid of their own shadow and liable to shank anyone who gets close. Sir stood up and reached for the tent's flap. The young man gave Levine a look of worried confusion. Thanks, he said wearily. No problem, kid. And hey, if I don't see you again, good luck. You too. As Sir entered the tent, he noticed Levine held two small, cloudy white spheres in one hand that he turned in a fast, rotating circle in his palm. The boy figured that this hazel-eyed man used these spheres as a sort of calming device to stave off any nervous twitches. Sir turned back to the tent's dark opening. As Sir entered the tent, Levine caught a glimpse of the black sword's hilt, still strapped to the boy's back. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Cosmic Adverse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. A bit of a transition chapter, but I think that next chapter you're going to really enjoy. It's also it's chapter 10. It puts us right at a quarter of the way through the book. And let me tell you, some things start happening. I'm really excited, not only for chapter 10, but I'm very excited about the next 30 chapters. These first few chapters, you know, you really have to build the world. You really have to introduce the main characters. And I think that what you're starting to see is you're starting to see how all the pieces of this grand plan of Tandros fall into place. And not only Tandros, but Mesrid, and how that's going to impact Sir, Levine, Aaron, uh, the people from Tuatoma, the people of Cornelia, including Samuel Kagi, uh, and all of his advisors, I think that you're going to start seeing some uh, some really interesting um, reactions and movement in the storyline. I'm very happy with uh, with chapter 10. I'm very happy with the subsequent 30 chapters. I think it's going to take a few turns that you may not have been expecting. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, again, you can find us on our website at cosmicadverse.com. You'll be able to find us at Twitter at Cosmic Adverse. You'll be able to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, you name it. We're on all of the, the major podcast directories. Leave us feedback. Let us know what you think. Again, I'm really excited about my new setup. I'm really excited about uh, what's coming down the uh what's going to be happening over the next few chapters. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Other than that, talk to you next week.